In the spring of 2013, I found myself in my office and um, was gathered there by our leaders. We here at Hilton Head Island Community Church have a team of elders, and uh, some of you are in here today uh, who are our elders, and I'm so thankful for you, so incredibly thankful for those who have served as elders, who have served as uh, part of our stewardship team. And we were meeting together, and we were discussing uh, a church matter, and the church matter was this. We as a church had been a campus of now our uh, sister church, Low Country Community Church out in Bluffton. And in 2011, they spun us off and did an incredible job of, of transitioning us to become our own church. And, and so we had been our own church for a number of years, for a couple of years, and we were considering a few different things about how we were operating. And one of the things that was weighing heavily on our hearts is, is that as a church, uh, we had never taken um, one dime of, of every dollar and tithed it. Or, and I'll explain that word here in a few minutes. Or given 10% uh, of that money away to uh, global partners, some of our missionaries, uh, local uh, organizations. Uh, now, I, I'm not saying that we weren't giving because we were, but it was uh, random, it was haphazard, but it was also based on our partners' needs and that sort of thing. So as a church, as a collective church, you know, we, we were not practicing what we're going to look at in a few minutes as that Old Testament principle and New Testament principle of giving 10%. And so we were grappling with, you know, what do we do? I mean, here we are, a new church, and uh, expenses are high, especially kind of in the formative years uh, of a church start, and we had just been kind of put out to do our own thing, and there are expenses there. And uh, so we were grappling with what we should do as a church in terms of giving. And we, we all, as, a, as a, a team, felt like God was saying, you've got to do more, and you've got to do something uh, consistent, because we weren't being a good example. I would get up here and talk about how we all in our spiritual lives should give, we should tithe, we should give 10%, but we as a church weren't, and we felt like it was duplicitous. So in the spring of 2013, we made the strategic decision to start uh, giving some money away, and so we began to put two cents of every dollar away. And I'm not kidding you, I love this part of the story. It wasn't the next meeting, which was usually about a month later, so it was about 30 or, or maybe 45 at the most days later. We came together as a group, and we all had this feeling that it just wasn't enough. It, it wasn't that we had, like, a ton of money coming in, and we were just like, let's just give it away. You'll probably never hear a pastor ever say that, okay, because it doesn't happen in church life. It doesn't happen in our lives either, does it, individually and, and as families. But we just felt like God was calling us to a higher level of obedience. So we thought, well, let's ramp it up. Let's, you know, every month kind of add or, or maybe uh, add 2% to that so that we can get up, so that we can, like, prepare to be able to, to tithe. And so we did that for a month. And we came back again a third month later, and we were all unsettled again. And I remember being there in my office when we made the decision as a group, and we prayed about it. And some of you are here today, and you were there when we said, you know what, it's just, it's just time to follow in full obedience. And we began as a church to tithe. And I got to tell you, as, as the leader of this church and us as a board, it wasn't this we're giving 10%, like tomorrow, 10 cents of every dollar, we're going to give it away. It was scary. It was a little bit nerve-wracking because if we really looked at our finances, um, 
we really weren't able to do that. We really weren't. And the decision I realized in these meetings that we had together um, was not a decision to decide to give. The decision that we were making as a church was a decision on whether or not we were going to be obedient. It really came down to that. Like, are we going to follow in full obedience? That's what was going on in the life of this church in the spring of 2013. And there was a great tension there. There always is when you talk about money, isn't there? There's always this tension. And if you're here today and you're like, great, I haven't stepped foot in a church for years. Here I am, and they're talking about money, and he's probably going to ask for it at the end. I'll just go ahead and tell you, yes and yes, okay? So that's, I'm just letting the cat out of the bag. But I want to tell you this this morning, and I'll refer to this again later. It really doesn't matter where you are on your spiritual journey. It doesn't matter where you are in terms of your belief in God. It doesn't matter if you have not even started that spiritual journey or if you're decades into that spiritual journey. The Bible has more to say. Please don't miss this. Some of you have heard this for years. Some of you have never heard this. The Bible has more to say about money and possessions than any other topic, including love. The Bible has more to say about those issues than anything else that it talks about. And so this whole idea of generosity or stewardship or giving is important to God. And it's important to us as well, regardless of where we are in our spiritual journey. So if you're one of those that came in here and you're like, oh man, I cannot believe I did this. I actually said yes to coming to church and here they are talking about money. The principles that we're going to be talking about over these next four weeks and some of the principles that you may learn from getting involved in financial peace, I'm going to tell you about at the end, um, are principles that like span um, religion or church or Christianity. They may be rooted in the word of God, but they are principles that I promise you, um, I look at especially those of you who are young, like if you were to follow these principles, like when you're really young, um, you can retire really early, which is awesome, isn't it? Like those of you who are retired here, it's great, isn't it? I mean, wouldn't have been able to retire 10 years prior than when you did? Some of you are like, no, not really. But anyway, like, you know, these principles are really beneficial, not just to your church, not just to the partners that we have, but they're beneficial to you, I promise. So before we dive into God's word, let's ask for his blessing on today. Let's ask for his blessing on what we're going to take a look at as we begin this series called Radical Generosity. Would you join me in a word of prayer? God, thank you for today. And we come to you um, broken people. We come to you um, humbly and just ask for you to guide our time today. Uh, Father, I pray that my words would not be mine. I've prayed through this and I just want to continue to pray that. That my words would not be manipulative. But God, especially when we talk about something that is so personal, yet so corporate. When we talk about something that is um, so like incredibly uncomfortable for some people, yet so incredibly um, just important for our future. 
and for what you're doing in the kingdom of God. I, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just speak to us wherever we are today. Wherever we are on that spiritual journey, that God, even a message about money and giving and tithing, God, would make a spiritual impact in our lives. And that we wouldn't shy away from it, but God, that you would lead and guide us to learn what we are supposed to learn individually. And God, that we would learn what you want us to learn, that you would lead us into truth and into wisdom. And that's what your Holy Spirit does. And I pray that you would do that. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Now, I really believe that um, a message series, I've really thought about this because I thought, you know, we could do this one of two ways as a church, right? Like I could get up and go, hey, the Bible says that we all should give 10% and I'll make a deal with you. If you do that and like if we like agree that like if you're part of Hilton Head Island Community Church, I'm not talking to those of you who aren't a part, but like if you'll agree to give what God says 10%, I'll tell you that in about five minutes in a message each week for the next four weeks, and you can leave early if you'll agree to do it. That sounds great, doesn't it? I mean, it really does, right? But I, I doubt either of us will keep that promise. So let's just dive into God's Word and find out what He says about it. In fact, if you, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to end up there, and I want you to go ahead and turn there because we're using that as our, our main passage for this whole series, although we'll look at a couple different ones today. Um, now, I want to begin by kind of just giving some preface or, or facts, and, and I want to give you two facts, and I want to dispel kind of two myths about giving because um, I'm just going to be honest, and I want you all to hear this. It, it's been a while since I've talked on giving, and I remember the first time as an adult sitting where you are and a pastor talked about giving and like I was not doing the right thing in terms of our financial life and like my palms started sweating I'm like oh man I just don't want to hear this and I realize I'm just going to like you know kind of level the playing field like I realize that some of you are, are going through those emotions right now and that's that's okay okay just take a okay just big like you know, sigh of relief okay it's going to be all right It'll be gentle, I promise, okay? But there's a couple things, a couple facts, two facts and two myths that I just want to kind of hit right up front as we begin this series. And I'm also going to ask you, if you live in the area and maybe you're, you're part or not a part of Hilton Head Island Community Church, I want to encourage you for the next four weeks, if you're in town, I want to encourage you to come to be a part of it because you're going to see themes that kind of cross this whole series over the course of these next four weeks. So two facts and two myths that I want to kind of just go over before we dive in. Um, first of all, the title of our series is Radical Generosity. And you can see, like, you know, when you walked in, you kind of saw the, the, the money in the background, the coin up there. I think it's a quarter. It looks like a quarter. And so, um, like, when we're talking about generosity as it relates to this particular series, um, generosity covers a lot of different things. It can cover our time. Uh, we talk about that a lot. Uh, it can cover the, the gifting God has given us. A lot of people will call that talent, so it can cover our time and our talent. Um, but it also covers our treasure. And here's why we're going to focus specifically on money. It's this, because I believe that sometimes um, what we do is we kind of go, okay, I've got time to give, and I've got a talent to give, and, well, I really don't have the resources to give. And so I believe that if we fix this last one, if we kind of can work on this last part or make sure it's shored up, 
um, I believe the other two will easily follow. We usually back into it the other way, or we start backing into it, and then we make an excuse for not giving. Well, I'm giving time, and I'm giving talent. And I believe that in Scripture, God calls us to treat those things individually in terms of our generosity, okay? So that's the first myth, that this is a series about money. And it's a series about giving. And or, or, that's the first truth, I'm sorry. The second truth is, is that this is about giving in the context of the church that you're a part of. And so I know that there are some of you who are here today and you're from somewhere in Ohio. You can say it with me. You're from somewhere in Ohio. Okay, so like you're going to go back to your church. And um, my encouragement is, is that you will take these principles in Ohio and really apply them um, to your church. I'm kidding about Ohio. Wherever you attend church, if you're from somewhere else, um, that you take these principles. But this particular series is a series that's focused on what God's word says about generosity in terms of giving to the church that we are a part of the church that, we're belong, that we belong to. But along the way, because um, giving in a church and financial responsibility and kind of the keys and the principles that God lays out in his word, um, that they're linked because they are so inextricably linked, the fact is, is that many of you are going to benefit so much if you'll hang in here, Okay. So yes, this is about giving to the church. Yes, it's about giving to this church. Yes, it's about being generous here, but it is going to benefit you and your whole attitude towards generosity. If it changes, if it moves a little bit on that scale, um, you will benefit others as a result in a remarkable, remarkable way. Okay, so those are just two facts, two myths. Um, the, the, the first myth, really, I've kind of already handled, and that is, is, well, I'm not a church person, so it doesn't really apply to me. And I just want to remind you what I reminded you earlier of is that these principles will be so incredibly beneficial, um, not only to this church, but to you. So, so don't let the fact that you may be here and you're not like a church person discourage you from being here over the next few weeks. You can learn a tremendous amount from God's word. And my hope and my prayers is that you would become a church person. You'd become a Christ follower, which is even more important. The second myth, and this is where we're going to go today for the next few minutes that we have together, is that, you, that though, you know, there are maybe those of you who are here, because I've done this myself before, you say, but Todd, my level of giving, if I were to do exactly what God says, is so insignificant that it really wouldn't matter. And I want to tell you this as gently as I can. That is neither true, nor is it the point. Each of you have a part to play if you're a part of a church in terms of giving, in terms of generosity. Each of you have a role to play, and God doesn't say this is just for the wealthy, or this is just for the rich, or... Here's a line in terms of like, you know, income, and it's just for these folks that are above that. This is for all of us, and you can make a difference. In fact, God's word talks about something called equal sacrifice, not equal giving. And we'll talk about that as we wrap things up. So just a couple facts and a couple myths. Um, there's, there's something else that I just want to kind of um, 
uh, talk to you about, and that is, is how we handle giving here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. Um, we talk about it you know, just about every other week. We talk about it a little more in detail. We'll take a few minutes on it. We've been doing that recently. Um, but we always talk about how you can give, and you can give online, and you can give back. There are two places in the back. But um, there, there have been some people who have told me, man, this church always talks about money. They all, they're all, you guys are always talking about money. You're always asking about money, which um, is, I believe, really untrue because we haven't done a whole series on giving um, for nearly two years. It's been almost two years, and most pastors do it every year. Um, so the other thing is, is that not one time have we ever passed a plate or bag or box or like, you know, something in front of you to give. And here's why. And I have a lot of people that, that want me to make it a bigger deal. And I get that. I really do. I understand that. Because sometimes um, maybe I disincentivize you to give because I'm so soft on this issue. But here's why. I don't want you to feel pressure from me or a group of me's to give. My desire is that you would give because of your passion and love for what God has done for you. We're going to talk about that part of it next week, okay? So we don't pass the plate. We don't make a big deal. But I believe that if you're a part of Hilton Head Island Community Church, if you're part of this church family, um, if you are being called to give, you will do that. And you'll do it online or you'll do it in the back or whatever the case may be. I, I don't want myself to be the pressure and the reason that you give. Now, let's, let's kind of dig into the Bible here real quick. And then we're going to skip down to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Um, there are just a few things about giving that the Bible makes very clear. And it's an Old Testament principle that's repeated in the New Testament. A lot of you know this, and I realize that. So for some of you, I don't want to insult your intelligence, but we're just going to begin with these you know, basic building blocks. Uh, Vince Lombardi used to hold up a football with his team at the beginning of each year. You guys know what he says, especially those of you who are Packers fans. What would he say? You can say it with me. This is a football, okay? So we're starting with that in mind. This is the most foundational thing. It's a principle that goes back to the beginning of the Bible, but it's laid out very specifically in a, a chapter in Malachi, Malachi 3, 8 through 10. This will be on the screen. And Malachi is speaking to the nation of Israel, and he's giving them warning on a few things, and he hits this idea. Listen to this. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But you say, um, Malachi, how... How are we robbing God? Or, God? or God, how are we robbing God? And he responds, in your tithes and your contributions. You are cursed with a curse for you're robbing me. The whole nation among you is robbing me. And then here's where he, we get the principle of tithing. It's in verse 10. He says this, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that was a storehouse in the temple that there may be food in my house. Now, back in that day, most people got paid. They didn't get paid. They would actually, you know, raise uh, a livestock or they would, uh, they would grow uh, some sort of crop. It was an agricultural society. And so they would bring the best of the best and the first of the best into the temple. And the word tithe there, he says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. The word tithe literally means a tenth or 10%. And so that's where we get the idea of tithing. And if you go back even further in Scripture, that's um, kind of begun all the way back at the beginning. It's repeated several times in the Old Testament, but not as clearly in Malachi. And then God gives us the promise that I don't want you to miss. And usually I spend all of a message series talking about giving on this part of the verse. I'm not going to do that this time because I want to do something different. But listen to what Malachi says. 
Listen to what God says. This is God speaking through his prophet Malachi. He says, and thereby put me, God, to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a, I want you to say that next word with me, a what? Blessing. Until there is no more, say that last word with me, need. You guys said blessing really strong, and then you kind of got weak on need. Do you guys realize you did that? That's kind of the way we think, isn't it? Not like, oh, I want the blessing. I want the blessing. But when we realize that God's blessing is to take care of our what? Need. Then we're kind of like, oh, okay, I guess. But what's wrong with God taking care of every single need? There's nothing wrong with that at all. That's powerful. He's the God of the universe. He's divine. He spun the stars and this planet and the universe into place. And I, I like him on my side in terms of taking care of my needs. I, I like the fact that need and blessing are connected there. But we have this idea that if we give, we want to be like blessed abundantly and in this way that's just overwhelming, like, you know, lottery. It's kind of like lottery God. You know, let's just like, God, I'm going to fill out the lottery and do whatever the ticket is. You probably can tell I don't play the lottery. But like, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give to you, and I'm hoping that you'll give back to me. He doesn't do that. But he does promise to take care of our needs. How many of you, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand this morning, would love it if you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that your needs would be taken care of? I'm raising my hand. I'm raising both of them, okay? Wouldn't that be awesome? Let's look at the plan. This is the plan. This whole series is the plan. And some of you are like, you know what? That's an Old Testament principle that Jesus, when he came to die for our sins um, and so that we can have uh, life in God with heaven one day um, and rose again from the dead three days later, like he came to um, fulfill or complete um, the law. It's really a completion, not a fulfillment of the law, and that's a whole theological thing we won't get into. But if he came to do that, then didn't he complete this one? I don't have to live according to this any longer. Well, I want to show you that Jesus actually confirmed this particular um, practice of giving 10% of your income in a very kind of obscure verse where he was talking to religious leaders, and he gave them seven woes, seven different things that they weren't doing that he was warning them about. And one of those things that they weren't doing that he was warning them about is he felt like these Jewish religious leaders, these fellow um, you know, companions of him, these, these uh, colleagues, if you will, of him, um, were not doing some things that the Bible clearly lays out. And one of them was he felt like they were not treating people with enough grace and mercy and justice. And so look what he says in Matthew 23, 23. He says, woe to you, again, one of those seven woes, you scribes and Pharisees, you're hypocrites. Man, Jesus didn't pull any punches on them, did he? Uh, he showed a lot of grace and mercy to those who were hurting, but the religious people, he just kind of like went right for the jugular, didn't he? Hypocrites. Duplicitous, two-faced people. He says, you're hypocrites. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and you have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Like they're giving their first fruits, but they've ignored justice and mercy and faithfulness to God. 
And then he says this, you ought to have done, these you ought to have done, talking about justice and mercy and faithfulness, but he says, don't miss this, without neglecting the others. So Jesus, do you see what he's doing here? He confirms tithing and kind of a, he kind of backs into it, but he confirms that practice of tithing that you shouldn't neglect that. But at the same time, um, the weightier matters of the law, like treating people with justice and mercy and respect should be done. The problem is, is that we've carried in America, especially, but worldwide as Christians, we've carried this kind of religiosity um, approach to our thinking into our lives where we go, man, um, I don't really need to do that. Um, you know, I don't need to practice that because that's an Old Testament thing. And Jesus came to, to, to complete that. And why do I have to do that? In fact, the Barna Group did a study and, and found out that in America, 79% of evangelical Christians give to their church. That sounds really good, doesn't it? Evangelical Christians would be like people like most of you who are in here today. Um, people who believe in the gospel, the life-changing power of Jesus. 79% of Americans give um, to their church. But there's a second number that's um, a little more telling, and that is this. 12% of evangelicals tithe to their church. 12%. In America, evangelicals give 10%. So that means most Americans give something and maybe give a little, but most Christian Americans, Christian Americans, church-going Americans don't follow this practice of tithing. And I don't know what the exact numbers are in this church because, like, we don't survey your salaries and all that kind of stuff. There is a church that I heard of that um, if you become a member— they want to see your tax returns. Is that a little weird to you? But anyway, we will never do that, I promise. Okay, so anyway, um, and so what that means is this, is, is that 12% of us Christians are really following in full obedience. 12%, that's not really that great, is it? 79% give something, um, but 21% give very little or nothing. And so as we walk through this, not for the purpose of guilt, not for the purpose of being judgmental or condemning, but I want you to think about four different categories of people and find out um, which category you might fall into, and it's this. Are you a tither? Do you give 10% or more? Or are you a giver? Do you not quite give 10%, but you give something to the Lord? Um, you're a giver, and, and, and so some of you are tithers, some of you are givers, um, some of you are, are what I like to call tippers. <laughs> um, and listen, I want you to hear this. There was a day that I let this in my life fall into disobedience, and I became, I went from a tither to a giver to a tipper. And it happens real fast. It happens really fast. And so I'm saying this with gentleness because I've been there before. Okay? I'm not saying this with judgment or harshness. But some of you are tithers, some of you are givers, some of you are tippers, and some of you are non-givers. You are a part of this church or a part of your church, but you don't give. And the only reason I ask you to, to decide what area you fit into is because as we walk through the series, um, I'm going to call you to, to do something. Because if we were all non-givers, we couldn't accomplish anything that God wants us to do. If we were all like tippers, we could accomplish very little of what I believe God has for us. 
if we were all givers, we could accomplish, you know, a lot of what God asks. But if we were all tithers, wow. I'm telling you, our vision and the vision that God has given us as a church to reach our community for him, to passionately share his uh, message to the world and, and, you know, lead people to follow him, we couldn't contain the ability to accomplish that in our community if we were all tithers. Now, take heart. I'm not going to ask at the end of this series for all of us who are part of Hilton Head Island Community Church to become tithers. If God does that, awesome. That's great. But I'm going to ask you over the course of these next few weeks to be open to God. And I believe what radical generosity is, is moving from where you currently are to something greater. I believe radical generosity is moving from where you currently are to something that is greater. And if you're here today and you're a tither, who knows? God may call you to do something greater. If you're here today and you're a giver, perhaps God is calling you to trust him enough with your need to become a tither. If you're here today and you're a tipper, and even if it offends you, Uh, Maybe God will call you over these next few weeks to do something more than you're currently doing. And if you're here today and you don't give anything, maybe God's going to call you to begin the practice of tithing by giving something on a regular basis. Radical generosity is moving from where you currently are to something greater. And so I'm going to ask you to be open enough to consider the fact that we all are able to give. And that's our word for today is the ability to give. And we have this concept that we either have too many expenses or not enough income. And yes and yes, both of those may be true. But if we were really, really honest with ourselves, our wealth in America and our income and or our income, because I realize that there are some of you that are retired or there may be some of you who have chosen to um, not work for whatever reason, um, and I I truly mean that, um, that like even if that's the case, we are still among the top one or two or three or 4% of people in the world in terms of income. And so we have this concept that we aren't able to give. And there's a church in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and they were there, and they could have made incredible excuses to not give. And we're going to walk through this whole passage over the course of the next few weeks, but we're just going to take a look at just a few of these first verses this morning. Take a look at verses 1, and I think we're going to read all the way down to verse 7. This is Paul writing to a church in Corinth that was extraordinarily wealthy. They were extraordinarily wealthy. And he writes to them and he says this. He says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Macedonia is um, modern-day Greece, essentially. That's where Macedonia is. It's in modern-day Greece. He says this, for in a severe test of affliction... Their abundance of joy, and in their extreme, say that next word with me, poverty, in extreme poverty, 
have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. In other, in other words, nobody helped them. Nobody gave them a bunch of money, these churches that are in modern-day Greece, and they just passed it along to the church in Jerusalem. This is Paul saying that this church that was in the middle of a severe affliction gave. And, and let's keep reading. He says, for they gave according to their own means, as I can testify in verse 3, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this is not as we expected, but they gave to themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God, they gave to us accordingly. We urge Titus, so one of the apostles, I'll tell you about him a little bit next week, that as he has started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Now, what was the affliction? I don't know about you. If I, I'm a history guy. Some of you are history guys. Some of you are like, I could care less. It's okay. Um, like, Macedonia was very close to Rome. And these Christians, they were probably like the, one of the closest groups of churches near Rome. Christians were not liked not only by the Jewish people of the day, but by the Roman government. And so Macedonia was the first place on their list. I want you to hear this. Don't miss this. In the first century, as this is being written, the churches in Macedonia. Macedonia was not a poverty-stricken place. There was no famine. There, was no, there wasn't a, a, some kind of a, affliction that was natural in disaster. It was a, an extraordinarily wealthy place. But the government came in of Rome and essentially persecuted all the Christians there and ravaged this area to the point where this extraordinarily wealthy area found themselves in severe poverty. This was the last church of all the churches that would have been able to give. And Paul says they gave generously, way, way, way beyond what they could give. And so the Macedonian churches, this is a lesson that we can learn. The Macedonian churches did not allow even the worst of conditions to limit their ability, their ability to practice radical generosity. The Macedonian churches did not allow this severe affliction, even the worst case scenario, to limit their ability to practice radical generosity. And as we walk through this passage, I think you're going to see that this also directs at desire, like how much we want to give back to God. I think it's going to be directed at determination when things really get bad. Are we going to continue to give? And then readiness to give, preparing ourselves with a financial plan and with the tools that we need to be able to give. So what about you and me? Well, I would suggest that there's probably not anyone here today who's worse off than the Macedonian people of that day and age. Most of you haven't experienced persecution because of your faith. Most of you haven't been robbed by the government. Some of you might argue that, and I agree with you on that. But we are not robbed 100% of our income, 100% of our wealth by the government just because of our faith. The Macedonians did not allow that to be an excuse. And i got to tell you, it's hard for me when I make excuses because we all 
have barriers in our ability to practice radical generosity, don't we? We all have barriers. We all have things that, like we say, but I just can't give. I'm not able. We all have barriers in our ability to practice radical generosity. But I want you to hear this. This is kind of my main point. You and I need to find those barriers. We need to find those barriers, the ones that we can control, and you and I need to work diligently to remove them. It's not easy. It's just not. But it's an act of obedience that God will bless. The diligent part is hard. Check out the screens. I want you to hear from someone who went through this. leader with a great group of women and my husband Jamie is on the stewardship team and he actually helps take care of the facility helps kind of plan for what it needs and watches over it really and we're just so proud to be a part of this church Jamie and I decided to take Financial Peace University um, really because we were newly married and we we're encouraged by um, our pastor to learn more about our finances, really, as we were newly married. And so we thought this was a great opportunity. I'd heard a lot about it. I'd heard a lot about how great it is for you. Um, and we also had a need. Um, I was in a, at a point where I had a credit card that had some sizable debt on it, and we decided it was important for me to take care of that. And so we just jumped right in. One of the things that they teach you in Financial Peace University is about tithing. And tithing, if you're not familiar, is actually a 10% portion of your income giving that back to God. And that's a, big, that's a big number. And that is a principle that they teach you. Another thing that they teach you is just about giving in general and having sort of a lifestyle of giving. Um, and the Bible teaches all about that. And so they're reminding you about that in Financial Peace University encouraging you to do that um, and just really developing that habit and that was something that we needed to develop was a habit of giving. Number one, um, it's a sacrificial step but you're doing it in faith and obedience and I believe that as you follow that habit and that step of obedience in faith with God that God says, test me in this. And so as you give, he honestly gives back to you. I have never been disappointed by God since I began fully in faith giving my 10% tithe. And my husband and I do that, we do it regularly, and we have never been disappointed. So you might be sitting there thinking today, there is no way I can give 10% of my income. There's no way I can tithe. Giving is hard for me, I'm not able to do it. Well, I say you can. And the first reason I think you can is because number one, we have a big God and you can take it to him in prayer. And that would be my first step is to say, Lord, I give you my finances. I want to follow you with my finances. Please help me do it. That's number one, that's what I've had to do. 
Um, the second thing that I would say is um, Dave Ramsey gives a great example that with finances in our lives, it should be something that is flown through our hands. Um, you know, I like the example of if you catch a beautiful bird in your hand, if you close your hand, you're gonna squish it. But if you keep your hand open, you could admire that beautiful bird. And as money flows in and out of our lives, it should be flowing through so that it is used beautifully in your life. It's used not only to bless you, but to bless others. And we can only do that with open hands. And so, you know, maybe pray for your hands to be open to what God wants to do with your finances. Jessica and Jamie, thank you guys so much for sharing. They're right over here. Thank you for sharing your story. We really appreciate that. Um, I remember in our personal lives when we were there, we had to make that jump, and we chose to just begin tithing after I had gone through a disobedient period of time in my life of letting that back down. But, you know, even beyond that, the most poignant time um, in my life that I've seen um, God take care of our needs is really now in the life of this church because, like I said, in April of 2013, um, we kind of crossed the Rubicon and uh, made this decision to begin to tithe. Ten percent, ten cents of every dollar that comes into our general fund is put aside in an account so that we can help our global partners, our local partners, um, help with some benevolence needs, um, help with some missions trips needs that some of you um, have taken. And uh, man, I'm glad that we as a team, those of you guys, some of you who are here today, who are in that room um, during those meetings, I'm really glad we decided to do that because over the course of these last two and a half years, this church has given away, collected and given away over $170,000 to our partners. Isn't that awesome? And I think of Maurice, who was here last week and broke kids and no hungry children, Brandon, um, who was here last week, and so many of our community partners who we've been able to help them meet their needs. And this is not a testament to us as a church. But it's a testament to God because there have been times that it was tough. There are times when the budget's tight and it would be nice to have that 10% back in. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. But you know, it wasn't a matter of making that decision. It was really a matter of whether we were going to trust God and walk in obedience. And I can't tell you whether you're here today and you've been a Christ follower for a long time or whether you're here and you're just like, man, this whole church thing is new to me, um, God's promise is true. He will take care of each and every need. By the end of this message series, um, I'm going to encourage many of you, many, many, many of you to take financial peace. We're beginning it in February. Date and time to be determined, but on our website is a place for you to go and ask for more information. Because look, here's the deal. Um, I realize it's very difficult to just like jump into the 10% thing when you have a lot of diligent work to do on the other stuff in your life. We've been there. Cynthia and I have been there. And by the way, we're there all the time, each and every week. Um, it's a struggle. It is. Life is expensive. But I want to encourage you to be a part of financial peace. There's nothing that changed my life outside of Jesus Christ more than understanding financial principles in a marriage and in a family. 
Um, and when I went through financial peace many years ago, it changed the way that I think. And I, I want to encourage you over the course of these next few weeks, even today, go online, go on your app, go on your computers and sign up to be a part of that come February. I believe that we all have the ability to give. I believe we just have to find out what the barriers are that's keeping us from doing it. So let's together be a part of what God is doing in terms of us being a church, just like the Macedonians who are radically generous. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for your word. And God, uh, as uncomfortable as a topic, as uncomfortable of a topic as this is, it's meaningful to you. And because it's meaningful to you, um, for those of us who are Christ followers, that means it should be meaningful to us. And God, I pray that you would work on our hearts, God, that the lesson that we just heard from Jessica would be true for us, that we would trust you because you're a big God. And God, that we would just um, really look at our lives and take, a, take an honest, introspective look at our personal finances as a family, as a couple. Um, God, the young people, students who are in here, even they can, especially they can get some amazing foundational principles, um, God, so that they can give like no one else, as Dave Ramsey says. And God, I pray for the couples and families who are just hurting, and today's message just really hits home because um, they've had a drop in income, or they're underemployed or unemployed, and God, I pray um, that you would just be with them, God, that you would ease their pain. But God, I also pray that you would help each one of us in the midst of even our financial suffering, that we would recognize that we all have a part to play in this. And this really comes down to just trusting you that we would walk in obedience in this area, God. Help us with our ability to give. Help us to understand that it's going to take a lot of work. But God, I pray that we would put our trust in you, that we would be brave because we can trust you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. okay to be afraid. It's okay to have fear. We need to give that to the Lord and ask him to make us brave, to make us willing to take that step out. And then Todd and I did that. And I pray that over every one of you this morning, we're going to sing about that. This is a call for all of us, wherever we are in our journey, to ask this of God this morning. So just stay with me for a little longer here as we just focus that and kind of end today. Asking God to do that in our hearts and minds through the Holy Spirit. Sing this with me.
for us to be reconciled back to you and it wasn't just for salvation only God that is the greatest gift but for us to walk each and every day as Christ followers in that and to walk in step with you and what you're calling us to do in our lives you're going to give us the grace and the strength God if we'll take that step of faith and rely on your spirit guide and lead us in whatever you're challenging with us this morning we pray all of that In the name of Jesus, who makes us brave.